Thank you, David. General, it's good to see you again. It's always good to talk. Great to see all of you, and, it, and it's a real honor to be on here and to have this conversation with uh, Pastor David and everybody that listens to this today or any time that they listen to it at their own leisure as we're able to do these days with some of these podcasts. So uh, it's, it's a real um, privilege for me to be able to talk to you three gentlemen. Thank you. Well, it's been about nine years that we have prayed for you and your family, and we've seen the journey that has taken place of darkness and the light, and what we have found out is this nation and the people in this nation have, not only do they care for this president, but they love a particular general. <laughs> that I wasn't in D.C., but I know that when he got up to speak and he spoke, um, as now when I pray, the Lord used to refer to you as his general, and when I pray for you now, he just says, he's my statesman. And so we heard a statesman in Washington, D.C., and I wanted to say this before turning over your love, not only for this nation, but the Lord that we serve, Jesus Christ, the Bible, and I carry this Constitution with me all the time. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, everything that has made America the eagle and a light to the rest of the world. And you have championed that, you have maintained your honor, mm -hmm. and this nation has fallen in love with a particular general and his family. So thank you, sir, for joining today. Well, thank you. Thanks so much, Jim and, and uh, Floyd. It's great to see you. And Floyd, thank you for all your counsel as well over the years. And Pastor David and all of your uh, constituents, everybody that is part of your your congregation, I would just say that uh, to everybody, it, it, like I said, it's a real honor to be here. I would offer to this group, now to you three and to all the listeners, that our nation is in a massive transition right now. It's historic. And it's not unlike other transitions that our country has faced in our past, transitions after uh, great wars that we have been in, uh, great depressions we have been in, and, and great tragedies that, are, that our country has gone through to include assassinations of presidents and such, those types of, of monumental and historic uh, events that cause us to reflect on who we are as a country. And what I would offer to, uh, to this group and to all the listeners today that uh, as we face uh, what it is that we are about to endeavor into here into these next few weeks and months and probably years, uh, we have to reflect on what it is that we believe in. What do we as individuals believe in? In my case, I believe that we stand for, above all, above all, the God-given freedom uh, as individuals. Our Constitution is not based on collectivism. It's based on individualism, and it's based on individual liberties. Our, as you, as you uh, highlighted there, Jim, when you raised the Constitution itself, very few people even read the Constitution these days. Schools barely talk about it. We, we're, we're lucky if we have a public school system I'm not sure even private schools have everybody start the day with the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, to this country, which is a, it's a, which is a way to culturalize 
the, the students at the earliest levels into something to believe in that's greater than even the education that they're going to get on that uh, on that particular day. But our Bill of Rights, as it was as it was written, as it was documented, and it was as it was argued over and bled for, that Bill of Rights and our basic Constitution is based on individual freedoms, their freedom to speak, their freedom to bear arms, their freedom to protest. Those are individual rights that we have. Those are not collective rights. Those aren't, aren't things that we're given as a group. Those are things I, as a citizen of the United States, and, and as I said, those are God-given freedoms. The one thing that, that nobody can take from an individual is his, his or her ability to think for themselves, right? That is a God-given freedom that we have whether we're chained up somewhere uh, beyond against our will or whether we are deciding to step into the path of a bullet uh, to, to save the life of a fellow soldier or a fellow Marine, or whether we are stepping into the realm of now what we're witnessing is this sort of very uh, political machinery that is happening in our country. And we have a lot of people in our country millions and millions tens of millions that have woken up and uh and now see that we cannot take for granted anything that we're given we can't take our freedoms for for uh for you know for just as they as they are we just can't take them for granted for the kinds of things that uh that we get up every day we we what i like to say we breathe the fresh air of liberty in order for us to continue to breathe this fresh air of liberty we have to be prepared to fight for that fresh air of liberty. We have to be prepared to, to what I say, go to the gate, so to speak. Which And that, what, what I mean by that is, I mean by getting involved, getting involved at every level. This conversation is a way to get involved. Pastor David's, the way he comes out and he talks about things, that's how he gets involved. That's how he serves his community. You all have served your communities in many, many ways over many years. One of my passions right now is to try to get out to America and really start to talk to Americans at the grassroots level and and get people get those 74 or 75 million people that stood in line to vote for Donald Trump and you can no longer just stand in line and go vote you're now going to have to get out of that line and you're going to have to participate you're going to have to participate at the precinct level you're going to have to participate at the county level you're going to have to participate at the uh, certainly at the state level and to a degree with with the right talent sets the right resources participate at the national level and that's what i'm going to be asking america and americans to do in the coming days the coming weeks and the coming months because we are at the edge of a cliff here and i always like to take it back to you know i had i've been saying the apostles creed for so many years as a as a young person and as a as a as a christian and you know when you say the apostles creed it never occurred to me that after jesus christ was crucified and he suffered he he died and he descended into hell and then on the third day he rose again Amen. right so yes, when he descended into hell where did he go and why would it why did it take him three days to rise again right i mean what was he doing? And I asked a priest that I know that uh, is a theologian, and and he gave me, and I'll, I'll mess up the history or the historic, the theological history about it, but essentially Christ at that time stood at the abyss. He stood in a place called the abyss, according to some theological history. 
for three days. And while he was at, well, while he was in that place that is referred to as the abyss, he had to contemplate a whole range of things for the world, for all of us. And I have felt over my last four years that I was in that abyss with him. And without him and without the American people coming to our side, coming to my family and my side, and also knowing what the, what the real truth was, you, we, we find ourselves in that valley, right? That, that, that Psalm 23 valley, but we find ourselves in that abyss. And I actually didn't pay any attention to that prayer for probably, I don't know, 50 years, 55 years of my life. And then all of a sudden I was reading it one day and I read that and I said, oh my God, why, why did he go for three days there? And where did he go and what, what did it mean? Well, America, to, to stretch a metaphor of sorts, America is sort of in that abyss. And now we have to decide how we're going to get out of it. And I do believe, I do believe that there is a, uh, a, a faith in the, in the three things that I always like to talk to, but there is a faith in God that we need. Our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian values and principles, and we should not fear those values and principles. We should not fear who we are as Americans. We should not fear that this country was founded upon a constitution by by a group of really brave, courageous patriots. And it actually goes back even 200 years prior to 1775 it, into the 1500s, the 1600s, where people were running because they were being persecuted because of their belief in something, something bigger than they were. So right now, our nation is facing this transition. And that transition is either one of two things. Either we, we, we dive back into being a, a a individual rights constitutional republic, which means people are going to have to do more than just wake up. They have to and and, and sit and talk about it at their dinner tables or on the at their you know on the block somewhere. They're going to have to now stand and do. People are going to have to do more now and get involved at the particularly at the local level, at the grassroots level. And we also have to understand that if we don't do that. As one recent president said, the, the president that prior to President Trump said, and I, and I will uh, get most of this quote correctly, he basically said, we are going to fundamentally change America. Yeah. And I think when he said that, everybody just sort of let it go over their heads like we normally do. And I would just tell you that I didn't. I paid very close attention to it. And I said, what does that mean? And I watched very closely. Now, at the time for me, I was still in the military. I was still engaged in combat, actually, uh, at that time, uh, over in the, in the Middle East and places like Iraq and Afghanistan. But as I progressed in my military career, and then as I, as I did my own transition out of the military career and started to really focus on what did I want my life to be and what did I want my life to get involved in, and I stepped into sort of the, the political world, only because I felt like I had something to offer any of the candidates at the time that were, that, that, that believed in the Constitution and believed in our individual rights as, as, uh, as people who, who uh, love this country and love what it is that we're all about. So, I, so I'll just conclude this, this part by saying people have to not only uh, sit and talk about what it is and they really have to understand what it is that they're saying, 
but now people are going to stand and do. And we have to understand whether or not we, in this abyss that we are in, because we are in abyss, do not, do not take that lightly. This is an abyss that we face during this transition period. And if we don't allow ourselves through our faith, through our families, the strength of our families, and then through the true friendships that we have developed with each other, then we're, we are not going to get ourselves out of this abyss in a, in a pleasant way. We're going to find ourselves diving headfirst into a shallow pool of socialism, and that's coming. Whether we like it or not, they're here. Now what we have to do is we have to wake up and really, really start to take, take advantage of who we are as Christians, who we are as, as God-fearing individuals. And I don't want to make this about what, I, what faith I wear on my sleeve. What I want to make this about is the is, is what America was based upon. And we should not be in fear of that. We should be strong and courageous and brave and should uh, be ready to sacrifice for the kinds of things that we know are coming. And that sacrifice is gonna be sacrificed in time. It's gonna be in resources. It's going to be in prayer. As I've thanked many, many millions of people for their support, their generosity, but I've thanked them most of all is for their prayers over the last four years of, of my family and my life, certainly, because prayers matter the most. And I think as prayer warriors and prayer groups that do get together, that message resonates and it gets out on these broader and broader networks. And that is super important. We cannot forget that. And that, in many cases, is not just here in the United States. It's across the globe. So I'll get off my soapbox for a, for a minute and uh, throw it back to you, Pastor David, and Thank you very much for, uh, for, again, for letting me be on your show. Yes, thank you. Do you have any questions, Floyd? Well, I, all I have to say is he should stay on that soapbox a little longer. Yes. We like your soapbox. <laughs> uh, that, was, that, was, that was great. That uh, was really great. Um, you know, um, as I survey the landscape, and you talk about we're in the abyss, I see a lot of people that worked hard for President Trump that are they're down you know they they they're a little bit depressed they they're in the personal abyss and um it's kind of hard to summon courage when you're when you're when you're defeated and when you're you're down and i guess i would just ask you as a as a as a military person after you've faced a a loss how do you come back from that? And, and how do we encourage people to come back from this defeat? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a great uh, analogy, particularly, I think, for uh, the battlefield, sort of the battlefield of life. Here's what I, here's what I would for. Um, first of all, I don't accept defeat in this case. I, I am still heavily engaged in uh, the legal battles, supporting uh, Sidney Powell especially, and, and others that, are, uh, that, are, that need help with, uh, with skills and, and some of the networks that I have that I'm able to help out to bring to bear in some of these cases that are still pending. I mean, we still have one that was consolidated. Uh, there was three cases consolidated into one because that's what the Supreme Court asked for, and that's gonna be heard here uh, this month. And that's uh, Ms. Sidney Powell's case. And there's also Mr. Lynn Wood's case that's going to be heard at the Supreme Court here in another day or two. So, so there's some things that are happening. If anybody followed New York 22, District 22, with uh, I think her name was Claudia Tenney, 
she finally won after three uh, canvassings or vote counts. And after, after the third one, she won all three, by the way. After the third one, they that's it. That was their rule. And come to find out, uh, she wins a, another congressional district up in, uh, up in the state of New York based on these machines. And the, and the, uh, the people that are now attacking her are attacking her because the machines fraudulently abused their client, right, which person she was against. If you're following up in the state of New Hampshire, we have one area up in the state of New Hampshire now that has admitted to before the election even started, every machine had 300 votes already marked in for for uh, for Joe Biden. So I'm, I'm not one to concede uh, defeat. Others can concede. I think what we have to do is we have to get to the truth. The funny thing is, I have learned again and again and again in my life that as the as the truth is, the truth will rise to the top. The truth will come out. In some cases, it may take a little bit longer, and it may take it may take people who are fighters who are in there still hooking and jabbing, so to speak, to fight for the truth wherever it is. We are still fighting a major battle up in Michigan. We are helping a great uh, lawyer up in Michigan. We're, we still have some uh, actions going on out in Arizona. So part of what I'm telling your listeners and the viewers and anybody that listens to this is that, you know, if you if you concede defeat, if you have this sense of defeatism. Then you'll then you'll always have it, and you'll never actually, uh, you know, understand what it is that you're facing, or what you need to do to, to step out of that. Because in this in this war or this battle of life, it's never truly over. And so to take it to uh, a a, um, a field sort of analogy, the other thing that always escapes us is that the other side also taking its licks okay and they're taking its licks by us every time we discover new truth every time we discover new truth and we expose it it's a it's basically like a weapon system against them that we use against them and it hurts them i i believe personally now what what mike flynn believes is that they the other side so to speak the the the, the I have a tough time saying the Democratic side because I don't think that they're Democratic anymore. They're more socialist. So the socialist side, I don't think that they believe that this was going to still be ongoing like it is, or nor that that people in this country were going to have this sentiment or this feeling that they have. And so every time we expose the truth, every time we put another chink in the enemy's armor or in our opposing forces' armor. That hurts them, and they lose strength. And even though we might feel defeated on our side, if there's one thing that I learned as a leader is that the other side is also weakened. And they're weakened because their their strength does not uh, reside in the truth. Their strength resides in deception and this, and resides in the lies that have been spewed or a censorship that has been taken by the big tech titans of this country, by many of the lies. I mean, as you, as anybody that witnessed even a little bit of, of the impeachment process the other day, all of those Democrats that stood as the as the uh, the House or the uh, the Senate went through its impeachment proceeding, every one of those those individuals who are lawyers, by the way, they should all be disbarred for standing in front of the not only the Senate but the American people and the world, basically lying through their teeth. 
And enough of the defense attorneys for Trump, they were able to bring out those lies. So a falsehood is multiplied by 10 times in terms of a weakness as it is to the truth, because the truth is absolutely strength. In fact, the truth is strength. The truth is power. And the truth will come out. And so, Floyd, I want to tell you that that as we go and as we continue to move forward and as you do through uh, through the greatness of Western Journal, the Western Journal, which is a terrific uh, outlet, and I know it's widely, widely read, and I love being able to to uh, be involved in, uh, in, 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 in writing small articles for you. That's where the truth starts to come out. It comes out through Pastor David's show. It comes out through local communities and community leaders who have the courage to be able to do the kinds of things that we need to do in this country. I mean, courage isn't just on the battlefield. Courage is in the community. It and just it's a, something that we all are going to have to pay very, very close attention to. Just to follow up on that, um, and I really find your analysis fascinating about how the other side has taken licks, and we don't really realize that on our side. I've been perplexed why they have kept Washington, D.C. as an armed camp. There's razor wire around the Capitol. You know, I went, I went to Washington, D.C. the first time uh, when I worked for President Reagan, and you could go in and out of the Capitol. They didn't even have scanners back then. And you just, basically anybody could go in and out of the Capitol. And now, uh, while I haven't been back there myself, when I see the video footage, I mean, it looks like the Berlin Wall around that Capitol. It's, 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 it, it's astonishing. And I'm just wondering, is that because they sense their own weakness? Is that why they, they've turned Washington, D.C. into an armed camp? Absolutely. And I, and, and I would say, you know, 100 percent that and you, you're going to see this, I believe, because of that sense of weakness, that sense of failure on their part, they are going to main, try to maintain that to the degree that they can that they can probably. And I've seen some reports through the through the end of the summer. My guess is they they want to diminish the mindset of the American public to the point where we just lose you know, we lose sight and we stop paying attention to what's actually happening in Washington, D.C. until all of a sudden it shows up at our front door in, you know, Sheboygan, Wisconsin or Wichita, Kansas or Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean, all of a sudden it's going to show up. That federal government is going to show up. And what they're hoping for is that nobody's paying any attention. The three gentlemen that are on this show with me, Jim, David, and Floyd, you guys are all paying attention. You're paying very close attention because you're switched on patriotic American citizens. And you have a responsibility to your own constituents, to your own communities of interest, to be able to inform them in certain ways. And so what I would tell you is that that, that is a massive weakness that they're demonstrating. And I will tell you, that doesn't mean that they're going to recognize it. It doesn't mean that they're going to do anything about it. But they, they, will, they have done that in a way because they know that they are not standing inside of that containment area around the Capitol or around the White House. They're not standing in the containment uh, area of truth. They're standing in the containment area of swamp and lies and deception and censorship. And now those are strong words to use, especially lying. I know. I know. But it's one where if you know what the truth is and you feel like the truth will eventually come out, 
and you, you know what you have to go through, you're willing to go through that, they are not willing to, to take that step to give this country back to we the people because they do not want individual liberties to be recognized. This is a, as one, as I said earlier, this is, you know, we, quote, we are going to finally change America, unquote. And that is not to make us stronger as a constitutional republic. That is to weaken the constitution. That is to weaken the individual rights and freedoms that we have. And that is to strengthen the collectivism and the socialist and the federalism that, that we currently are starting to be, you know, that we're beginning to see uh, take place inside of our federal government. And that is not something that we are going to be able to live with if we expect to have individual rights and freedoms that we've always taken for granted. And, and, and I will pound the table on this, that, that um, we're talking millions of people, but certainly hundreds of thousands in our in our lifetime, in our, in, and certainly in the history of this country, have sacrificed their lives for, for reasons that they never truly understood, for people uh, that really didn't care much about them sometimes, in places that they never really wanted to be, they sacrificed their very lives to protect our individual rights and our individual freedoms. And one of the most important, and I would say at the very top, because it's the way we choose our, our leaders, and that's our right to vote. That's the privilege of being able to vote and to vote in a free and fair system. And I don't know if we want to get into the, you know, what to do next about voting, but I, I mean, I've been involved in, in running elections, certainly supporting elections from a very senior perspective in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere around the country, around the world. And I would say that I, why we're able to do, do elections for others in, in a free, fair, and transparent way, but we couldn't do that right here in this country. We still don't know the outcome. And there are still many uh, congressional seats, local seats, state seats, and certainly I believe the, the president of the United States position, the presidency of the United States position, is still in question. It's in doubt. And in this country, for us to go forward, for us to maintain what I keep saying about these rights, for us to maintain the sacrifices of people who will, who will give their very lives to defend this country, in order for us to get those type of people to join, they, not, they need to believe in something far greater than themselves. And one of those things that they believe in is that the people that we elect into our offices, local, state, and community, actually will have their backs when they are, when they are asked, or when they, and I know it's volunteer, but when they're asked to go out there and sacrifice their lives for this country, Knowing that, knowing that what I'm going to sacrifice it for are, are a whole bunch of liberties and freedoms that, that nowhere else on the planet you can get. You know, we cannot have that sort of an attitude in our election system, and nor we can have this, this doubt in, our, in the outcome of our election. And there is doubt across this country. Our last, the last uh, poll, if you believe in these polls, it still has it around 70%. And that's just, I mean, we're already a couple of months. And, and let, me, let me just make one statement about that because it goes back to the, to the weakness I said. I don't believe that the socialists that have taken over our country believe that we'd still be talking about this. And this is, you know, the middle of February. I, I can guarantee you that we're gonna be talking about this right up until the next big election that we have. I talked about it, there's a, 
There's a primary that's happening up in Wisconsin today for a, a young man who was in the served in the military with me, and uh, he's running for a for a, uh, a primary office up there. Um, there's going to be elections that are going to take place at the local. There's going to be some runoff elections all the way into 2022. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to be much different. We are going to feel much different. And the volunteers that we're going to get, we are going to get millions and millions of volunteers to participate in this election far more than they participated in this last one. And we're not going to let get away the, the fraudulent activities and behavior that we know occurred in various counties like Fulton County, Maricopa County, Madison County, Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. I mean, we cannot have this any longer. We have to have a free and fair vote. Otherwise, we can tell our military to go overseas and help some other country run an election. Because they look at us now and they laugh. And they say, huh, yeah. you guys get your, get your own house in order before you come over here and tell us what to do. General, let me uh, say something to the family. Um, something that Floyd had addressed. We believe that this president won in an avalanche, in a landslide. And basically, the election was over at 10.30 that night. And there are many that have not given up. And they continue to pray. They continue to network and are becoming more robust in vocalizing that feeling. What we look at from a spiritual standpoint is, and you may look at the physical, there are times where our enemy overplays his hand and comes out into the open when in the past they were hidden. This is a time as never before, we have seen people that could ride the fence that now have come out, even the ones that were Republicans that voted to impeach the president. Uh, those seven, I know that we'll do everything or however many there are uh, to oppose them because you're representing something that's false. But we see that the enemy, in this case evil, and the deception has overplayed uh, their hand. And when you talk about abortion or you talk about gun rights or you talk about you have certain groups that it upsets. But when you start talking about the foundation of our soul, uh, whether you're white, black, brown, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. When you have faith in God and you start talking about removing God from the United States of America, and I know that BLM was a facade, uh, and their agenda was to do that, and they got so much blowback they had to change their website and, and put on a different mask. So I look at it in this case, we're still fighting there with you. And we are believing, and I think there's more and more that they're getting off the couch and they're wanting to fight because we believe this president is down in Florida and we believe that the enemy has overplayed his hands and those that are the deep state or the establishment they've come out in the open and now we know who they are they've been in hiding for a long time so uh, do you see that occasionally in the battlefield where you think you just overplayed your hand and you can take advantage of that, uh, whereas before maybe it was hiding behind bushes and you had to fight a different warfare. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me unpack some of that because I think that uh, you're, you're, highlighting, you're highlighting some really super important points that many, many Americans are having conversations about right now, Jim. And so uh, your background, your experience, you know, is why you understand the depth and you understand of what has happened now 
before I before I, I unpack it, I will tell you there, David, that if you put this out, you put this out on YouTube, it's going to be taken down off of YouTube almost immediately because it has General Flynn and election fraud associated with it. So, uh, so be prepared for that. Um, let me start with the with the simple, and then move to the more complex uh, in terms of trying to answer this and address this issue because this is super important. Number one, the, uh, the, the Democratic House managers that stood there and lied to the, to the Senate and lied to the American people and lied to the world seven senators, knowingly that those House managers lied blatantly to those groups of people and to us in general. They lied and we still had seven Republican senators that voted to impeach. I mean, how dare they? Uh, you know, what, they must just think that we're stupid. And I, and I know that at least one or one or two of them now. I know one of them has been uh, has back in their back in their home states. They've already you know, they've been taken to they've Thank been you. already uh, uh, you know faith. Yeah, they've been yeah they've been taken to the to the ringer, taken to the ringer, so to speak. And I know that more of them will. I mean, a couple of them that are going to be stepping out of of the Senate here on their on their way out the door. They're taking a parting shot, and this is not taking a parting shot at Donald J. Trump. This is taking a parting shot. At the American people, I mean, I, I facetiously say that I'm a deplorable, I'm a re- irredeemable, you know, I'm a chump, right? As, as Vice President Biden called us, he called us all chumps. I mean, so I, I, I'm in that camp. I, I, I wear those those names as badges of Probably, honor. Yeah. So that's that's number one to to start with. You know, who some of these individuals are, and and what we have to do to go not only after them and their those positions, but others. Who are in that uh, in that particular camp? I'm I'm working in and uh, I think Floyd, you're aware uh, of some of this. I mean, I've been working out there, help, help trying to help the uh, state of Arizona and the state legislature of Arizona overcome this burden of guilt that they feel. And there's still Republicans out there that have not yet been able to step up and actually see the truth because of their own. Their own, their own political desires, their own selfishness that they have thinking that, oh, maybe someday I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that. Well, if you're going to be this or that in, in, in the eyes of your selfish self-centeredness, then you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. And, and I hope that uh, this particular message gets to those particular people that are in, out in Maricopa County. This is directed at them. The, As we the said. more complex things... Yeah, the more, well, it's all right. The more complex things in life are things that you highlighted, Jim, and that's, and that's life and, and being pro-life, right? That's a, that's a courageous stand. Family and being pro-family, that's a courageous stand. And everybody goes, well, you can't go back. You know, the family breakdown in this country was, was not, it just didn't happen through happenstance. It was purposely designed. And it was designed by a party of, of individuals, and they knew that it was going to take a generation to, to break the family down the way it's been broken down. And God help us, because, you know, the, in, the, in the various communities that we are all part of, whether it's the white community, the African-American community, the Caucasian community, the Portuguese community, the Irish community, the, you know, the pink or purple polka dot community, I don't care. The family is a centerpiece of who we are in this country. And it's not sure it's a solvable problem or we'll be able to get back to it, but I do know that more and more 
of our of our politicians certainly but our faith leaders pastor david our faith leaders and and our our other religious leaders men of the men or women of the cloth so to speak we have got to talk about the family unit whether it's a mother and a father whatever it is with children i mean if we don't have that moral fabric woven into the blanket called the united states of america then that blanket is going to unravel and we're going to see ourselves going the way that we're going right now a big reason why we are facing this dilemma right now is because of that breakdown in the family and people are going to go oh Flynn, you know you're you're this or you're that no i'm not That's i know true. what family means yeah. i know what Absolutely. it means believe me i know what it means and i don't and I, you can be part of my family and god God love you if you're part of my family because you'll have some of the most loyal fighters on, in your camp. Believe me, you, be, you become a, a sort of what we call a friend of or a friend, a friend of a Flynn because once you once you're inside of that camp, boy, you don't ever have to worry about anything. The more deeply complex component of what you're addressing is really four parts. And I used to, I actually learned this as a young officer. I probably, in fact, I would say I really learned this at home as a kid growing up. And there's four parts of, of, of each of us, and there's four parts of what makes up the United States of America. And those four parts are the emotional, the physical, the intellectual, and then the, and then the most important component, and it sort of circles the other three, is the spiritual. When you think about those four components, when we talk about the emotional side of who we are, we always re react and respond to events in emotional ways and, and a lot of times when we reflect back on that emotion that we showed it probably got the best of us and that's okay because it demonstrates a passion for who we are the physical side of us is our ability to maintain a level of energy going forward i mean a level of energy no matter what we do we have to put our physical being into doing the things that we absolutely believe in the things that we love the things that we cherish, whether it's our family, whether it's our churches, whether it's our community, whether it's in the military, whether it's uh, being a Boy Scout leader or whatever it is, whatever that physical aspect of our lives is that we must maintain in order to have the right level of energy and the, and the passion and compassion to be able to do that. The, the uh, intellectual being is that it's something that I've learned and I really learned it, you know, I've, I've had this as part of me my whole life but I've learned more about it in the last couple of years than I've thought of it because there's, a, there's an intellectual limit that we, uh, we try to exceed sometimes in our own intellectual capacity. And my mother always used to tell us, never stop learning, be a lifelong learner. So if there's something that you get challenged on intellectually and you don't have the answers to it, that's okay, go learn about it. If it's something that you feel strongly about, Go study it. Even if you only study it for a, a couple of days or, a, or you know, a, a couple of hours, go learn about what it is to increase your intellectual capacity. And so part of what I'm telling the American public is we have to, we have to learn what just happened and we have to increase our intellectual capacity in that document that you rose at the beginning of this thing, Jim, called the United States Constitution. We have to increase our intellectual capacity and knowledge in our local election laws and policies. We have to increase our intellectual capacity and our knowledge in those people who are standing up there and telling us, I'm gonna do this for you, I'm gonna do that for you. 
and then they go away for three years or four years or six years and they do just the opposite and then they come back and they want you to vote for them again we have to we have to focus on our intellectual capacity and not limit ourselves to what we know today to what we need to know in the future to be able to make better decisions not only as individuals but, but uh, for our families and for our community and then the last component is really this spiritual component and a spiritual component it revolves around us and who we are and what we represent and how we come across to others you know this business about authenticity and you know i i've i've dealt with uh with you know pastors i've dealt with religious people in the in the, in my past really in the military a lot and there was a lot of fake stuff a lot of fake people honestly and and uh it, this is not just about religion. Spirituality is not just about your religion. It is about you and the character that you represent and the way that you feel about other people in your life and the way that you treat other people. As I just said about my mother telling us to be a lifelong learner uh, to increase that intellectual capacity, my father was one who taught us at a really young age the golden rule. And the golden rule is to treat others like you want to be treated. And if, and if you can do that, if you can achieve that golden rule, then that circle of spirituality that, that, uh, that revolves around those other components of, of us as individuals, emotional, intellectual, and physical, and I, I think you're, you really have uh, squared the circle, so to speak, uh, as, a, as a human being, and you'll have a really happy and healthy life. If you take that to the next 60,000 foot level, to me, that is the essence of America. That's what America is now. That's what it was designed to be. It was designed to be this emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual place, whether you want to describe it as the beacon on the hill, this shining city, uh, you know, shining uh, city on the hill or beacon of light, as John Kennedy said, shining city on the hill, as Ronald Reagan said, in a, a, a phrase that I like to use is, we're the true North Star. Right. You know, when you think about the Magi's way back when, when they right. followed to get to a place where they weren't really sure where it was going to take them, but they followed it because they believed in something. Right. And that's what the American people need to do. They need to follow what it is that was created my God, and then formed by some very brave Americans at the beginning of this country and founded on, on top of a constitution and a bill of rights. And it's gotten us to this point. Right. And we have not, you know, we have not gone to war internal again uh, because of uh, this thing that we just went through. And that's a good thing. So what people are reflecting on is how do I take all of that bring that out in me personally to get involved in my local communities. So that's my, again, pounding on the table uh, sermon, if you will, Pastor David, <laughs> about where we need to go as a country. And we're going to have to get there. We don't have another choice. Well, General, well, I like to say God has it, light wins. We do have to do the hard lifting. Uh, however, what we're seeing, you said something earlier that is so true. America is waking up. Things are changing. We look at the bad, but there is a lot of positive moving out of this movement. On the, His Glory family that's watching this worldwide in the United States, we have a very unique mix of Christians 
and patriots. We're seeing Christians that do not know how to be patriots starting to become patriots. And we're seeing patriots that don't know how to be Christians become Christians, and they're uniting in Christ for this great country of ours. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's okay. Like I say, don't, don't, people cannot be fearless in what it is that they believe in. They, they, they have to, they, in fact, I'm sorry, they have to be fearless in what it is that they believe in. And it's both in Christianity, it's in patriotism, and it's in Americanism. And this idea of America first and American exceptionalism is a big, big deal. Understand it and believe it and then live it. Right. Yeah. You want to say something, Floyd? Well, I, I, uh, I was just going back. So, you know, we have seen an unprecedented series of failures in American institutions. Okay. And um, these failures happened at, at all kinds of different levels. Um, I think that as, as I reflect on the election we just went through, there were, there were obviously failures in the way the vote was uh, tallied. There was failures in the way the vote was prepared for all of these mail-in ballots, some people getting three, four, and five ballots. There was, there was, there was a, a chaos that was sown. But after the election, we had a number of different failures at, at at, at the local level, we saw them here in Maricopa County because the Maricopa County uh, supervisors refused to audit the election. And then when the state uh, Senate stepped in um, and were preparing to audit that election, we had Republicans, one in particular, backed off at the last minute, and we saw a failure of that institution here in Arizona. But even on uh, at the federal level, uh, we had a Supreme Court that I think you could say failed in this election because they refused to adjudicate uh, what was a very legitimate case coming out of Texas. And um, we saw failures mm -hmm. at a number of different lower court levels, uh, both in the state and the federal level, because they never heard evidence. They, they, they said, quote, you didn't have standing. And for those of us that have really researched mm -hmm. this, understand standing is just an intellectual construct created during the, the 20s and 30s that, uh, that is nowhere in the Constitution. You can read the entire Constitution. You don't find standing anywhere. Uh, it's the purpose of the courts to adjudicate um, controversies like this, and they chose not to adjudicate those controversies. Instead, they let the they let the aggrieved parties continue to feel their grievances. And so, uh, uh, what I'm I guess what I'm asking is is when we've seen this these repeated failures in institutions, governmental institutions, uh, it, it, uh, what I'm hearing from you, and I just want to, I want to, I want to kind of pull that out is the way that we fix that is for us to go in and take over those institutions and then make sure it doesn't happen next time. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, so here's how I would address it because I'm a, I'm a small government uh, advocate. Our federal government, I can give you multiple examples of the growth of our federal government since 9-11. And I, I use that date because uh, that date, as tragic as it was for many families, 
thousands and thousands of families, not just on that date, but also over the, the next two decades. And we're still at war in some of these places. So it affected not just the families on that day, it affected families who lost loved ones in uh, combat in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, and elsewhere fighting this war against terrorism. Um, I'm a, like I said, I'm gonna repeat it. I am a big advocate for a smaller federal government. Our government, our federal government, in the last two decades has grown by times five. So if you started at 3,000 people in a federal agency or 5,000 people in a federal agency, or today you're at 15,000 or 25,000 in that same federal agency. I mean, it's, it's just so outrageous what has occurred in our federal government. That's, and that's taking the idea of, of federalism to a, to a, you know, it's, it's, it's way beyond the pale as to what we actually uh, should be even contemplate. To bring it down to, to, to sort of earth, Floyd, what you're talking about is the failure of not only the legislative branches of government, and that it's at the state institute, that's at the state level, okay? In the, in the judiciary for certain, I mean, I was I was part of this thing from the very beginning after the uh, the third the third of November election. The we had a judge in in, in uh, Georgia, okay. We had a judge in Georgia that basically kicked the can because he lacked the courage to be able to make a decision on extremely hard evidence that he had placed in front of him, and he he essentially said, "I'm not going to make that decision." Let's have another hearing. So he delays it a couple of days. He, he has another hearing, doesn't listen to the evidence again. He kicks the can again, kicks it up to the appeals court. The appeals court gets it and says, ooh, this is a little bit too hard for us. We need to kick this one up to the, to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's just in the state of Georgia. That's one case with an extraordinary evidence. And we've seen the, we've seen the videotapes and, the, and we've seen the, the machine uh, uh, disruptions that have occurred there. One other point that I that I will bring out is dead voters, dead voters. I mean, when we talk about the five swing states, right, where from whether it's Arizona, whether it's Georgia or Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin and others, Nevada is another one. There are dead voters that still are being counted as as reg, as regular votes, and yet the state legislature, and in some cases, and I actually think in Arizona the number of dead voters would, would actually, it may actually turn the, the, uh, the election over out there. I don't think, I don't have the exact number at the top of my head for dead voters. But I can tell all of you, and I can tell all of your listeners there, Pastor Dave, on his glory, that I know dead soldiers that I buried that would not accept one dead voter to have voted for the, for the sacrifice that they gave up. And for, to have senators, a sitting senator, from one of our southeastern states who made the joke about, well, what's, you know, they're talking about all these dead voters. I've only seen a few, a few dead voter rolls. And I, and I, I mean, I, and I just, I, I about, that's my emotional side, right? I about blew up until I came back to my intellectual side. And I said, you know, I'm, we're going to be smarter than that guy. We're going to go after that individual. And for the spiritual side of me, it, it, I said, God, God forgive that, that person because they're going to need forgiveness when they, when they arrive at the abyss, because they're not going to arrive at the pearly gate, they're going to arrive at the other side of the abyss. In this, in this particular case. So, so our judiciary, our legislative branch, 
and to a degree our executive branch because of the lack of strength, loyalty, courage, and commitment around particularly this president, President Donald J. Trump, those three elements in our government, and then down to the state's levels, they broke down. And people have to realize, and I know that there are some, there are some states' legislatures out there who I've talked to. You got a couple of great people in Arizona. There's some others who I've spoken to in all these states who are brave, but they're, but they're not, you know, it, the funny thing is, is they are in the majority, but their majority is so weak. The, these people in the political class of this country are so weak. And they're weak because they, they, they see power or they see something else that, that, you know, I don't totally understand. I can't comprehend. And that's why one of the little things that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get more veterans to run for office because veterans understand the, the true sacrifice. But to answer your question, Floyd, yeah, every single one of our institutions broke down, every single one of them, particularly the judiciary. And one last comment on the, on the United States Supreme Court. United States Supreme Court at that court at that level, there's a there's a, a former chief, a former justice, and I actually think it was Brandeis. I think it was Brandeis that said it, um, and he said, you know, sometimes I don't base it on the, what the law says. I just base it on good common sense, my decisions. And you know what? If you look at the, at the whole thing on good common sense, that we we would have a different results today. But that justice. Uh, system at the United States Supreme Court broke down so pathetically bad and I I believe that everybody in this country knows where the weakness comes from and it's sad because they're supposed to protect the institution of the Constitution not just look at law black and white they, they are at a level unlike all other justices in the judiciary where they can make a decision based on the Constitution itself, on the fabric of what I talked about earlier, the fabric of this blanket cover ourselves with the United States of America, the United States Constitution. And what the United States Supreme Court did was they allowed that fabric to be ripped apart, ripped into shreds, and now it's up to the American people to have to stitch that thing back together. And I believe, as a sort of eternal optimist that I am, I believe that we can do that it's Amen. going to take sacrifice, it's going to take commitment, it's going to take hard work, and it's going to take time. Amen. 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 We're going to get back to, we're starting to see this already, the Constitution. I can't tell you how many people have reached out to His yeah. Glory family that want to know the Constitution. I believe this is going to be the year that people are going to get, maybe for the first time in their life, to understand the Constitution. You mentioned in the beginning, uh, they don't teach it in public schools, they don't even teach it in private schools. We need to know what this country is founded on. Uh, you know, yeah. even in basic things, General, when you look at, and it started with uh, taking a knee yeah. and looking at the revenue that has just imploded with the NBA uh, over certain is social issues, uh, the NFL, uh, entertainment, there are people that are beginning to not show up in those seats, beginning to not buy those tickets and turning the dial. So I believe there is an awakening, and, and that awakening is not only on our part, but I believe that God is doing his part as well. Uh, because without him, without the Holy Spirit, we're, we're just fighting as best we can because we're fighting, and you know this better than anyone, we are fighting evil. 
And evil, a lot of people can't understand that. Like, they wouldn't do these things. But I believe the American people, just like you said, either the fighting Flins or the deplorables or whatever they want to call us, right. are beginning to realize and say, you know what, I'm not supporting that anymore. And for years and decades they had. So I, I see an emerging awakening in people like the Western Journal and, and people that own the, 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 his glory family and, and mm -hmm. others that we're saying two things. We're tired of false shepherds. We're tired of religion and buildings and, and, and gaining for mammon or, or money. But the other, as Floyd pointed out, we have seen now the complete failure of what we thought we could trust, and that is people elected to office, sent to Washington to represent our views, and they forget about us. And so part of that with a smaller government, I, I concur, as well as term limits. We didn't send them there to yeah. become multimillionaires and in some case billionaires. So that's... I do, uh, speaking for his glory and, and, and for the family and just the everyday American, I believe they're getting sick and tired of it. Yeah. And a lot of the southern states and I think the flyover states. Yeah, they're definitely sick and tired of it. And remember that evil and the devil himself is, has symbology and uses symbology to, to try to defeat this power of the light around Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, the symbology of taking the knee, not saying the na not singing the national anthem, not saying the Pledge of Allegiance in, school, in our school, not talking about the Constitution. Those are sim symbolic statements of evil that exist in our system right now, in the bloodstream of, the, of our country. And, but I will tell you that what's in our DNA, which is more powerful than what's in our blood sometimes, but what's in our DNA, which is a subset of that, is the, is the spirit of light and the spirit of truth and the spirit of goodness. And that's the, like I go back to what, my, what I said earlier. There's power in, the, in what my father taught me, and that is the golden rule, to treat others like you want to be treated. And I think that we have to convey that message everybody that we come in contact with and we have to stop this, this evil uh, of symbology that you know if you go back and you look at the history of the Bible you go back and look at the history of this country whenever there was some some moment in time where somebody was was going to take us on was going to take this country on they come up with something symbolic and that symbology is what ended up defeating them in the end and so Americans are awake. This particular channel and, and what everybody, what you just said, uh, Jim, all of us have a responsibility now to keep this message going and to talk about this message and throughout of, uh, all of our communities. The symbology that we want to follow is the symbology of light and truth, and that only comes by the grace of God. Amen. I couldn't help, General, when you were talking about the golden rule think about the activities of those impeachment managers. Do you think those impeachment managers would like to be treated the way they were treating uh, President Trump? Or uh, I think about the, the way the judge in your case treated your case. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was no justice there. You got no justice from the system. Uh, the only way that you were, were, were able to, to you know, get justice was because President Trump 
took it into his own hands to, to dispense justice because the Justice Department, um, which should be renamed the Unjustice Department, and the, the, the legal system and the court system, those were examples of failing um, because they all failed in your case. And repeatedly, we saw these institutions fail. But I think you, you're really on to something. The golden rule is so powerful. And I guess we have to make sure that, that we continue to follow the golden rule, even though it's really hard when we're dealing with these evil people. And it is evil, I mean, I mean, the, uh, the House managers that ran the impeachment against President Trump, I mean, give me a break. I mean, they were lying, they lied through their teeth, they knew they were lying. But they are symbolic of the evil that exists in this socialist movement that is trying to chokehold this country. Don't kid yourselves, and, and for all the viewers, and for all the listeners of this, of this, uh, of this broadcast, do not kid yourselves that, that our experiment in democracy, as our founders said so eloquently, is, a, is, a, uh, is an experiment in democracy. It's an experiment in an idea about something that is so much greater than what we can all even ever fathom or imagine. And so this experiment is fragile. And it's fragile because evil exists. And it will try to overcome good by, by gaining power, by gaining wealth, and taking it from the rest of us. And I can tell you that, that the American people aren't taking it anymore. They're not going to take it anymore. And I know, I know this. I know this. And, and it's going to be true his glory. It's going to be true uh, these, these religious networks, I believe. I believe that is, there, there is a, it's not just power in prayer. There's power in the action that comes from prayer. And I do believe that we're going to see that uh, in, in, in time here. Uh, and like I like to say, in his time, right? His with a capital A. Yep. And, uh, you know, I don't know how those people live with themselves, Floyd. I mean, come on. I, I really don't. I, I mean, I, I know how I live with myself. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm as imperfect as the rest of them. But, man, the political persecution that I went through, oh, my God. But I, at the end of the day, we, we, we knew that the truth eventually would come out. And it did. And even then, even after it came out, the devil still stood, still sat there on top of uh, the old judge's shoulders and said, "No, you're not gonna. We're not gonna let this guy go because what they what they fear the most are truth tellers, right. and they yeah. fear people who uh, can influence others to get to the truth that are or to fight for the truth, as my family, uh, my wife and I had to do." And it was, uh, it was a monumental hill that we climbed. And it wasn't a matter of getting over it. What we had to do was get to the top of it. And we did. And we feel better. But, I, but I'm, not, uh, I'm not a vindictive person. I'm not somebody who's going to sit there and go, oh, look, you know, look at what these you know, sons of guns did to me. This is about now what's next. We have to fix the problems that we have. Don't worry about what happened. Let's start solving the problems that we are facing. And that's that's in my DNA. That's in what's in my makeup. Amen. Amen. Hey, General, if you could, yeah, I know briefly, if you could share what the role of Jesus Christ played in your climbing the mountain through all these obstacles that you were put through in these last these last few years. Yeah. So I will tell you that uh, 
which is, is very private to, you know, so I'll share it with you, um, you know, what, what it is about the Lord that, that got us through. And when I say us, my wife and I, and I always say that we've known each other since we were 13. And it's, it's daily prayer. It's daily rosary. And it's our love of each other that transcends all the other aspects of the things that we've talked about today. It's an understanding without saying a word, knowing what is deep, deep in your heart and in your soul. And then the other aspect of that was having the strength of my family, my sort of broader family. We, 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 you know, we get about, you know, fight like a Flynn, but that's a very statement. We grew up in an environment where we knew who each other were. We, we, we really deeply knew each other. And that includes my wife and I and her family. So daily prayer, daily rosary, which is really important because it, it causes you to focus on the word, specifically on the word, and then the strength of family. And uh, those, are, those are two of the major components. And I guess the last one would be True friendship. And I learned a lot about friendship. And Jim, you've been a true friend. Boy, you've been a true friend. Uh, people that you, American people who we never met, who I, I like to say did not run from me, but ran to me, ran toward my fighting position. And they gave us their support, their love, their kindness, their generosity, their prayers, most especially their prayers. And they just gave us something that uh, is is uh, it's hard to describe. It really, is hard to describe. So, faith, family, and friendship in that sort of order. Amen. Well, you had an entire His Glory Nation praying for you and your family, and they continue to pray for you and your family. Prayer prayer is answered, and you you had the graciousness to call into one of our Zoom calls a few months ago, and that meant a lot to all the people that were behind the scenes praying for you. We thank you for that. Yeah. Well, God bless all of you, and you know, in our country, and I would just, I, I just leave it with, with, uh, with guys like Jim, who's a fighter, Floyd, who's a fighter, you, Pastor David, you know, you're a, you're a man of the cloth, I like to say, and it is people like yourselves that, you know, when, when Donald Trump says "Make America Great Again," or we say "Keep America Great." And I like to use the phrase American exceptionalism, which goes back decades. There's nothing wrong with being American. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about who we are as Americans. There's nothing wrong about being a patriot or calling yourself a patriot. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with standing up for the flag, kneeling down for God. Nothing wrong with that. People, people need to stop worrying about whether, you know, what they're going to, what my neighbor's going to think or this person's going to think. You know, stop that and start believing in what you act. You know, what makes you as an individual feel right about yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if you have to, the nice thing about about God is that you can always go back to Him uh, in in a quiet moment as an individual, and you can reflect on who you are as well. If you still struggle with who you're trying to figure out what to what to Amen. be in life. 
Amen. And I just offer that. Don't ever, don't ever take for granted that power of quiet prayer. General, we have, we're here at the, the, the headquarters at the Western Journal. There's a group of people that we'd like to come in to, like to, pray, for uh, to pray for you and enter, uh, let you see them. These are some incredible prayer warriors uh, from His Glory and other ministries that we've combined together to just pray and pray and pray. And uh, they all believe that uh, you are America's general. Come on in. Come on in, son. Meet General you Flynn. Remember Luke? Yep. Hey, General Might. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very nice to meet you again. <laughs> Hello. God bless you, General Flynn. Are we getting all the group in? So here's part of his glory family reaching out to General Flynn. Yeah, here, Mom. <laughs> we, uh, we, we love you, General. Would, would somebody like to close uh, so and pray for General Flynn? I mean, uh, you want me Amanda? to do it? Yeah, we'll have Amanda. Amanda. Prayer show's going on, General. <laughs> Mom, did it? You're not in. <laughs> We're going to pray for General Flynn. He loves you. We do love you, General Flynn. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Father God, in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we praise you for this time. We praise you, and you are a mighty God. You are a wonderful counselor. You are a righteous judge. You are a roaring lion, creator of all things. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise due your name, Father. We come before you today, Father, just asking, Father God, for you to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. As we acknowledge the sacrifice your son Jesus Christ made on the cross for our sins, that he willingly went to the cross and took our place because we were judged guilty under the righteous laws of God. And he purchased us willingly by the shedding of his blood because God so loved the world. And after he said it is finished, we were reconciled back to you. And we praise you that he rose again in three days after being buried and ascended back into heaven and took his rightful place at your right hand where he rules and reigns forevermore. And we declare that Jesus is Lord and we honor that sacrifice before you today. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would loose, release and deploy your holy warring angels and holy angels of all rankings and divisions to surround General Flynn and his family, Father God, to surround us here as we go forth, Father God, with your will. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ they would strike down, confuse, block, scramble, dismantle every worker of darkness and iniquity, their plans, blueprints, schemes, contracts, assignments, Father God. We praise you, Father God, for this day, Lord. We praise you, Lord, as we go forth, Father God, that your wisdom and counsel and might and power will go before us, Lord, as we go forth in this battle. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you fill General Flynn, Father God, as your son and your vessel Amen. with yes. all wisdom, yes. Father God, and counsel from you, yes. Lord that you order his steps because the, the steps of the righteous are indeed ordered of the Lord, Father, that you continue to fill him with boldness and wisdom and give him strategies from your throne, Father God, Amen. in order to go forth, for he has been anointed for this time, for such a time, Father God, to be a mouthpiece for you, Father God, to be a strategist for you, to be a general, Lord, to be a statesman, as Mr. Jim so stated. And Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus, they put a hedge of protection around him and his family yes, father God yes, that yes. anyone that so dare comes near him father God will be struck down by your warring angels yes, in the name yes, of Jesus yes. Christ Lord 
We praise you, Father God, for the time we are in. We praise you. You are knitting your remnant together. We praise you, Father God, that you are equipping them with every good thing with, from heaven right now and every good and perfect gift in order to go forth and do the job ahead of us. We praise you. You are going before us. We praise you, Father God, that you are indeed giving us instruction. We praise you for your will, Lord, and we praise you that indeed in this country, people will turn back to you in droves. Your will will prevail in this country, for we have a covenant with you, Father God, Amen. and that the wickedness of the enemy will fall and be dismantled, Lord, and destroyed in this battle. We praise you for this time, Lord. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for who you are. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.